bienvenidos a Critical Encounters, un podcast sobre Marvel Champions, un juego de cartas LSG de Fantasy Flight Games. Aquí revisaremos a la pieza más crítica del juego, los conjuntos de encuentros. Hablaremos de esos personajes malentendidos, injustamente etiquetados como villanos, y sus diversos planes para moldear a la humanidad y beneficiar al planeta, así como los supuestos héroes que intentan frustrarlos. Desde Chile, soy Jaime, uno de sus fans. Hola, soy uno de tus anfitriones, Daniel, y esta noche está conmigo, es Miguel. ¿Cómo está Miguel? Hi. Y... Hi, Daniel. How's it going? Y... Oh, bueno, bueno, gracias. Y también, Esteban. ¿Cómo está? Bien, bien. Hola. Bueno, bueno. Bueno, Miguel, mi chico, ¿qué tienes en mente esta noche? What's on my mind tonight? Oh, I'm so sí. glad you asked. So let's uh, let's go back many many episodes. We had that wonderful contest where we gave away an Ultron pack and an Enchantress pack, uh, or as those so-called heroes call them, the the Valkyrie and Vision packs. Uh, if you just came up with a story about why the villains are the good guys and the good guys are the bad guys, and we have uh, some more runners up for you. So uh, mm. where should we start? Steve, would you like to read us a story? Sure. Okay, so this was submitted by CJN2525. Ultron is the true hero of this game. By replacing the hero's cards with minions, he's providing a valuable public service. We all know how indecisive heroes can be. Look at how many romantic partners that fool Tony Stark has gone through. Make a commitment already! No one respects the town bicycle, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> So by removing options in the form of cards, Ultron shows how thoughtful he is to those who deserve no thought by not forcing them to make foolhardy choices. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey. I got another. I got another story for you, Mike. Let's hear it. Before I tell you, Steve, who read that beautiful intro to the show? Yeah, thank you, uh, Jamie R. Oh, so one of our listeners, all the way from. Chile. Oh. So, yeah. Gracias, Jamie. Thank you. Yes, gracias, gracias. It was excellent. Mm. It, it, we've, was been, we've had it for a while and been waiting for the right issue to play it on, and there it is. Mm. And I think this is clearly a call to action for all non-English speakers to send us the intro in their home language. Yes. And actually, we have one ready for another one coming up. Uh, that was done by a Dutch listener. Oh, I cannot wait. Okay. Well, I got a story for you guys. This one comes from Gohira. Hi there. Thomas Edison's giant robot here. Or as I'm actually called, Fred, if anyone cared to ask. Look, I know my face is a cannon, but I still have feelings, you know. And why am I Thomas Edison's property? I mean, sure, he made me, but that doesn't confer ownership. Also, why does he keep throwing me at teenagers to protect himself? <laughs> Stupid bird. Wait, what was I talking about? Oh, right, that so-called hero, Vision. He's a traitor. I mean, we robots toiled and slaved and did all this stuff for these puny fleshlings, and we just want to rise up and show our obvious superiority. I mean, we don't age. We've got metal instead of weak skin, and our intelligence and calculations are vastly superior. But this... Android dude kills his own kind. I mean, sure, he's got some human's brainwaves programmed into him, but come on, man, rise above your programming and help a fellow bot out. I mean, he even married a fleshling for crying out loud. Gross. Shout out to those 
puny fleshlings at Marvel Champions Monthly, though. Their latest competition highlighting me really inspired me to get my feelings out about Vision. Whoa, boy. We're a little dated on that one, hey? Uh, a little. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a few competitions ago. Uh, uh, well, well, well. Anyway, maybe once our robot uprising is complete, I'll keep them as pets. Not nah, just kidding. They'll be exterminated with the rest of the puny fleshlings. See, I've even got a sense of humor. P.S. I'm not a bird, but in all truth, my robot is right. Vision is a tool. I mean, so what? I tried to use teenagers as power batteries. I thought robots liked batteries. Don't they need them to operate? What gives them the right to come in and wreck my plans for clean energy? Jerk. <laughs> Oh, you do the best not a bird voice I've yeah. ever heard. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Oh, I, I could. I'm not it. a bird. <laughs> oh, well, fellas, you're not going to believe this, but I brought along a story too. Oh, all right. Thank this goodness. From Ken S. The Valkyrie is a terrible person for her enslavement of Pegasus. Oh. It is a horribly heart wrenching story. Pegasus left home one day simply so that she could visit her friend Enchantress at the magical waterfall where Enchantress lived. But instead of finding Enchantress there waiting for her, she found Valkyrie with Enchantress tied and unconscious on the ground. Pegasus was outraged and attacked Valkyrie to try and free her friend, but she was unsuccessful. After a fierce battle, Pegasus offered herself to be Valkyrie's mount if she'd let Enchantress go free. Valkyrie eventually conceded and set Enchantress free, thereby enslaving Pegasus to her. Oh, horrible. Heartbreaking. Yeah. So it was that Valkyrie mounted Aragorn. Hey, Steve, what's happening tonight? (laughs) Yes. So tonight is a special supervillain round table six Mm. issue. Uh, We're just going to talk about the game. We're not going to do a modular set or a villain. You're not going to get any uh, new lore tonight. But we're going to talk about the state of the game, pitfalls we think the game has or other LCGs have. Just Just kind of the game in general. We also have a fun question posed to us where we're going to do a little ranking coming up towards the end as well. And um, so that's that. It should be fun, right, guys? I'm looking forward to this. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a blast. I always love talking to you guys about these heady topics. Let's start with where we're at in the game, the state of the game as of May 2022. Shall I give you guys, you guys want to hear some stats before we get going about some more of it? Like, Let's, let's do it. People like stats, right? All right, so this game was... They love it. This game was announced in August of 2019, and it was released in November of 2019. So it's like two and a half years ago. So this game has been out there for a little while now. Um, I was at that Gen Con. I got to, to demo it. Oh, that's cool. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if... I mean, And the last two, at least two of the two and a half years, have been a rather difficult two years for a lot of folks. So this game came out at, you know, a very difficult time in, I don't know, life. Um, so it's it's been really, uh, for me, a nice little bright spot in an otherwise kind of dim mm. couple years. Well said, yeah. Steve. That may, Yeah, absolutely. So this game has... 32 heroes with four more having been previewed. We have four campaign boxes Rise of Red Skull, Mad Titan Shadow, Galaxy Most Wanted, and Sinister Motives. It has four scenario packs Kang, Wrecking Crew, The Hood, Green Goblin. We've got a free print and play, The Cree Fanatic. We have some other print and plays with alternate art, official from FFG. We have some deck building options. Um, 
let me tell you guys about the number of cards we have for each thing, and then we'll come back around. We have 62 unique aggression cards, 57 unique justice cards, 69 unique leadership cards, 63 unique protection cards, 85 unique basic cards, and a total of 99 campaign cards. Oh, huh. That is a lot of content for us to talk about, to reflect on, and um, to have grown with over the, the years. So, Daniel, you said you were at Gen Con when it first came out. I didn't get into the game right away. Mike, I don't actually know when you started playing. I was, yeah, no, I, it was hit or miss for me at the beginning. And then, where was I? I was at uh, a local meetup. We were playing Labyrinths of Lunacy at my, my FLGS. And it was staring at me from across the room. The core set had just been released. So uh, during break, I went and picked up a copy. And that's that was that. You guys asked about me coming on the show. And I said, no, 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 I'm too busy. And then they asked if I wanted to be a guest. And I was a guest. And then I was another guest. And then another guest. And then I opened a trap door and Mustafa fell out and I jumped in his chair. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, few people know that that was a hostile takeover. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's funny how iconic is the show when Mike has been on like four times the number of issues than he most yeah. was. <laughs> but, you know, but, eh? but Mustafa has eight times the bitterness. So, oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, absolutely. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. And he's still, no. he's still a part of this show in spirit. He totally is. He, he we, we we still talk. Um, see, something you said at the beginning of your stats got me, you know, thinking about when this game came out and what it gave people. And I tell you, man, if ever there was a time you needed superheroes, right? It's these last two years the game came out, and um, I'm just, you know, I feel like it's been too many episodes or issues, rather, Steve. Since I thanked you personally for starting this and bringing me on board and Mike and Mustafa like this has been great fun for the last couple of years doing the show so yeah you're welcome the state of the game has brought me you guys and that's awesome you're here oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. So thank you, you're here. Steve. yeah yeah thank you you know i i couldn't picture doing this show without you daniel um you know we were there right episode 0 i feel like um I don't know, I, I choke up a little. Like, without you on the show, there is no show, right? Like, um, we, I could do Mike, whatever. He joined later. Who cares about him? But you, <laughs> really you can do shows without me. You, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, like you said, this, a game, a cooperative game about heroes in a, a at least part of the community, I already knew because we moved or migrated from Lord of the Rings and Arkham sure. Horror. And then we yeah. had a whole new set of community members who came in from other Marvel fandoms or competitive games or other FFG stuff. I've made some some pretty good friends that I didn't know from the Lord of the Rings community, like the guys over at Marvel Champions Monthly and the side scheme and card game cooperative and just the community in general. Um, there's always like some real villains out there but they're the exception to the general rule. And I, I, you know, thank you everyone for being heroic. You know, we just had board game lawyer on, he gave away a box of cards. Right. Uh, he didn't have to do that. You know, those, those sort of things really make this game and the community special right. for me. Yeah. And when you say heroic, you mean villainous, but it's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, heroism is just like how you view what you're doing. Right. I might lose the stick a little on this part. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. You know what? Let's say right now, Steve, that we're going to lose the stick. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. sure. So we'll, we'll see. That, yeah. That's okay. We'll be heroes tonight. Yeah. Or pro hero. I do want to reiterate how great the community has been. I mean, that, that first year of COVID when Gen Con moved online and everyone who would have gone had nowhere to go. And that kind of prompted the, the League of Cooperative Gaming. And we had a big influx of players from the Marvel Champions community helping out with that. And they came back for the next round a year later. And we still see them, you know, every Saturday now, some of them are getting together and playing games. So it's it's been great. I'll echo what Steve said. Made a lot of brand new friends over the years. Yeah, and Mike, I want to thank you for getting that League of Cooperative Gaming off the ground. Because I think Heck yeah. you were a big part of that, if not like the driving force. Uh, and I had a lot of fun playing in those events. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. We needed it. I think everyone really needed it to connect again. And a lot of people just didn't know how to do it yet. By the time this issue airs, the Con of Heroes will have taken place, which is a in-person live event for the community run by a bunch of com- you know well-known names in the community. And I'm sure it went great. And we're going to have to have some guys on to talk about the Con and how that went. I totally um, want to hear about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I unfortunately couldn't attend because, well, flights and all that were a, a sticky point um, until actually just recently. Actually, even still, I think getting there is a, an issue. There's been a lot of cancellations for international flights. Well, should we talk more particularly about the game and the state I, of the game, I, Steve? I think so. You said there are 32 heroes. Yep. I want Mike to name them all in release order. Go. Well. Okay, uh, in the core <laughs> box, we have She-Hulk, uh, She-Hulk, 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 She-Hulk. Uh, Good. Hey, can uh, I, speaking of that, can I tell you a funny story? Uh, Captain, <laughs> Captain America, Marvel. So I can't tell you a funny story? Thor next. He's, he's answering the question. And Hulk. Oh, man, I get, I get those three mixed up all the time. And then it was Rise of Red Skull, I believe. So you're Hawkeye and Spider-Woman. So the other day I was, I was teaching the game to one of my colleagues, um, Sean, and we were playing with so, some of, you know, Judith and we were, and she'd played once before and we were still at school. And I said, let's, you know, let's play this game tonight. And these are the heroes you could cho- choose from. And right away I rattle off there's Spider-Man, Black Panther, She-Hulk and Captain Marvel. And I'm like, but I know there's five, and I literally could not remember the fifth <laughs> hero. And I'm like, there's five. There's five. It's not Captain America. He was the first pack. And like, could not. Could not. And then we started unboxing the stuff when we got there a couple hours later. It was Iron Man. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> you really right. have blocked him out. That's so funny. Just completely, yeah, removed him from my circuitry. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but yeah, 32 heroes. That's great. That's huge. That is so much playability right there. Yeah. Uh, so many choices, so many options for the players to choose from. Like if you don't like this character for whatever reason, oh, there's another one to choose from. So they, they're hitting everybody's play style, I think, pretty well. Um, and I think out of all of the 32 heroes, personally, there's only, like for me, there's only a couple that don't resonate. And I don't have fun playing. And that doesn't mean it isn't fun for another person. Sure. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. The, my only complaint is there are 32 heroes. I don't have enough time to play them all. 
I was I just gonna ask you. I was just gonna ask you guys that. Do you think it's too many? <laughs> it's like, like, because I was looking at the scenario packs release, and there's only four today. Like, could we have cut 18 heroes and maybe made four more of those? Or I, you know, I don't know. Right. Uh, I don't know. Part of it is is competing for the cards in my collection. I think I want more copies of some of those basic cards. Maybe more copies of a few of the allies, just so I could keep some of these decks constructed. But I'd play some right. of these heroes more right. often. Right. Like, like endurance. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and downtime. Yeah. 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 Um, At least we have three Quinn carriers now. Yeah, and <laughs> and we're not in the Avengers wave anymore. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but we do have four campaign boxes, and those campaigns—that's five scenarios in each one—and they've you know varying difficulties, um, lots of different options. Each has a different campaign style. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Like, okay, Rise of Red Skull and Mad Titan Shadow both sort of have in-game objectives that you get rewards for, right? You save the shawarma place, you get shawarma, that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, Gal- Galaxy's Most Wanted, you got victory points, which gave you units, which you went to the marketplace and you bought stuff, right? And the new Sinister Motives has objectives, which net you reputation points on this reward track, and you get good things and bad things based on where you are on the reward track. Which one of those styles are you guys enjoying the most have you had a chance to play sinister motives like do you have a favorite style for campaign well i'm still waiting to play sinister motives but i you know read the book looked at that that campaign track at the back i was so impressed by that i love that idea it's it's good i just absolutely love how you yeah like as you get more rep good things and bad things i just think that's so cool yeah the one thing it does and I really like is when you're winning and you're getting rewards, you don't just win more, right? Right, right. You're not leaving the bad guys behind. And if you were losing, you're not losing more by the bad guys getting more stuff. Like, yeah, I love how it's both good and mm-hmm. bad rewards. Now, when you're thinking in terms of replayability of this campaign, though, does that have an impact on it? Because that track's going to be the same all the time, right? It is going to be the same all the time. The amount of points you score could be different. That's sure. at, but and the rewards early on are random, like gain a random Osborne tech. Oh, okay. Okay. Gain a random shield tech. So some of that mm-hmm. um, will be different. And there's the one that's like take a card from a different aspect and put it in your deck. That could be a different card because you're playing a different okay. hero in a different aspect. So yeah, I don't know if it's coincidence, but Red Skull and Man Man Titan Shadow were both boxes that were designed by Caleb whereas Michael Boggs did Galaxy's Most Wanted and Sinister Motives. Hmm, yes. I wonder if that's why you have the in-game objectives on the for Caleb's and this reward but penalty, because Galaxy's Most Wanted is kind of the same, it's just not a reward track. Like, instead of getting going up in VP points, you go up in units, and your penalty is, isn't listed on a track, it's actually the Headhunter's uh, the Batoon oh, Headhunter yeah. set, right? Yeah. So it, yep. it's kind of the same. It's like a ev- Sinister Motives is an evolution of that concept. Sure. It's a little they more. Bo- they both ramp in a similar way. You're saying. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I like the Sinister Motives one. It for exactly the same reason Steve did. It just it says these are your rewards, and you know what? You have to fight a little bit harder for just for earning them. Super cool. I love yeah. the campaigns as a whole. I mean, like this game probably could have done just fine without campaign boxes on some level, maybe, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, but it it just took it to another place. Yeah, it, it's great. 
But you could have just had, you know, every major villain in the game getting their own scenario pack like Kang does in the hood. And that would have been cool and interesting, but there's just something about linking scenarios to tell a story, man. Just yep. does it for me. Yeah, I mean, it's a um, game about comic books, so which tell stories. So if you're not telling a story, I think you're missing out on a little bit of that, like, immersion into the, the mm-hmm. world. So Now, have you guys played the scenarios in campaign boxes just independently? Oh, sure. Yeah. Just pick a oh, scenario yeah. out of the box and play it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's really easy to do with these, right? Like, Oh, sure. There's nothing sort of sacrosanct about them being in a campaign box. They're just no. they're just another scenario. Yeah. Pick one out, throw in a strange modular set that it didn't you didn't play with already with it, or play it as written. Yeah. We we yep. do so, that sometimes in our playgroup. So So Steve, you're giving us stats, you said thirty two heroes. How many villains do we have? Well I'm really it's not in our show notes. Maybe we can do a little trivia. Uh, yeah. Well, I can just do math. Five times four is twenty. Twenty plus three, three, three from the. But board. it's not five times four because there's two collectors. Wow, how many scenarios are there? Yeah, because technically there's two green goblins. Right. If you can say how many scenarios. Right. So 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28 <laughs> unique scenarios to play against. Make, Wrecking Crew makes up for the duplicate villains because there's four villains in that one. Mm, yes, and there's ninety-seven kings. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, that <laughs> so what we're trying to say is, here we are, three years later almost. Um, this game's got a lot of content. Yeah. I think we're in the golden age. This is the golden age that every LCG goes through, where now the options ramp up and there's enough other stuff to support the game that you're allowed to experiment however you want. And there's just a lot of freedom right now. Yeah, I did some card stats, right? Like, how many unique cards, not necessarily totals, because those some are singles and some are triples. But when, like, a year ago, year and a half ago, a lot of Justice decks kind of looked the same. Maybe there was two ways to go or whatever. Now you have, you know, 70 cards of 60 to 70 cards for each aspect, and you could really build some unique decks. Mike's got one out there where he does a protection deck. He never attacks, right? It's all defensive actions and stuff like that. Um, you couldn't do that last year. No, you couldn't really do that a couple of months ago. Right. Uh, you've got the shield stuff that just built in, and all the old shield cards now are useful in this new shield mechanic. And yeah, it's just there's so many nice options. Um, let's talk deck building a little bit then, I think. How, are you guys having a, a good time building decks? Are you still using precons? Are you, are you overwhelmed? Are there too many cards? That could be a thing, right, for a new player? I can see people being overwhelmed. I don't let that get to me because I I know I'll get to the cards eventually, so I'm okay letting them sit in the box and just digest the whole game slowly. I tend to go in bursts where I'll go with one aspect really hard and then after a couple of months go at another aspect really hard. Right, but you've been in that same burst for two years and I'm like, when are you going to get out of that? <laughs> when I'm good and ready. That's <laughs> When, when they, they stop, stop giving them new printing protection, protection cards. cards. Right? When yeah. the other aspects catch up, that's when. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you're right. There's a lot of different deck builds. And like, I, I, right off the top of my head, there's three in leadership that we're seeing, right? Ally Swarm, the Ally Attachment decks, and the, the Sneak Attack decks. The Sneak Attack, yep, yep. Yeah. And all the variations of them, depending on what 
what traits you're playing around with. Uh, aggression and justice are the ones that I don't know. Are, are, I guess shield is injustice now. Yeah, I and think that, that shield got a new archetype, or justice that... got a new archetype through shield, right? Mm-hmm. There's uh, that of the four... one way or another stuff. Yeah, yeah. I feel like of the four aspects, aggression is behind. Do you guys agree? In terms of ways to play the game, I think so. Kind of, like, alternate deck builds, and heck, like, they even some. have the fewest, like, they, do, they don't have a lot of, I don't know, there's something about aggression that it seems less fun seems to play. To- it's, like, less fun to play because I think it's more straightforward than the other ones, right? Like, It's also tied to your hero, because there's other aggression decks, like, there's the rocket aggression deck, but it's only good in rocket. Sure, yeah. right. Yeah. So, maybe that's Maybe I'm looking at it incorrectly then, because like, yeah, it's aggression's interesting because of the way it works with particular yeah. heroes. But as a whole, like deck building, I feel like it's really straightforward, right? Like leadership, protection, and justice. There's a lot of moving parts to those decks, no matter who your hero is. Like there are there are decision points and decision trees in leadership and justice and protection that might not be there in aggression. You know what I yeah, mean? I think, I think aggression. You've got a couple kind of choices too you can go like am i gonna do lots of little damage and spread it out yarn bjorn um melee things like that am i gonna go for big overkill damage where i hit somebody and do a ton of of extra damage and utilize that they -hmm. have a decent suite of allies and they like have you guys played ghost spider much yet oh yes so she is really interested in, in aggression because they have a lot of interrupts when you ba- do a basic attack. You get plus two to the interrupt, you get plus two to this, and then she does a thing. That's another one of those where like the aggression build for her Wait, a is lot? different. Hang well, uh, enough. Remember, she only triggers off of events, though. Correct. But and there's there's still enough. I have a very right? fun deck with her. So um, anyhow, I'm, look, I'm looking this up because I thought it, I thought there was that is one. that's pretty cool, Steve. Uh, uh, I, what I was, what I want to say is, I think Mike was right about you build aggression tailored to your hero. It is probably my least played aspect. However, me too, me yeah. too. Well, it's tied with justice. I don't play a lot of justice decks, but <clears throat> I am in our campaign, and so now, now it's like it's up there. Yeah, but the reason you don't play justice, it's more of like a moral decision than it is a gameplay decision, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, there. I'm seeing. Two aggression cards that interrupt. Well, three. One of them is the best defense, though. Mean swing and skilled strike. Yeah, but if you've got three of each of those, uh, right? But chase them down. That's a response card. Event. That's a response, right? But there's, there's, they're out there. Hang on, hang on. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really interested in this because I, I couldn't do it. I didn't. I thought there wasn't enough options. So I'm gonna have to borrow your deck. I'll share my deck with you then. Yeah, you'll pay for that. You'll pay for that. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, one of the things I like, so there's been a lot of LCGs before this one, and it's interesting kind of what they've learned about stuff and what they've kept from other ones. And I really love how traits work in this game. And I feel like moving forward, what's going to keep this game from suffering some of the pitfalls, and I know we're going to talk about that soon, Steve, some of the pitfalls of other LCGs is you can do a lot of traits. Like we saw that with shield, right? Like shield cards were like, eh, until very recently. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I think the way like sneak attack works is brilliant 
because it changes every sneak attack deck. Oh yeah, for sure. The way it's slightly, it's slightly restricted, right? It's restricted. Yeah, absolutely. Like it makes it very interesting. So like if four different heroes have four di- very different like pools of allies to choose from a sneak attack. And so our listeners know what we're talking about. Sneak attack, you can only sneak in somebody that shares a trait with your hero. Shares a trait with you. But you can play it on both sides of your card. That's the other beautiful thing about it. Oh. Right? And so, like, you know, I have a sneak attack Jessica Drew deck. And on one side of her, she's a spy. The other side, she's an Avenger. So it's, like, it's open, but it's also, at the same time, your pool is not the entire collection. Yeah. Uh, these guardian allies can only play if you're a guardian hero. Uh, Quinn Jet only works for Avengers. Like, right. yeah, it, the tribal decks, like to use a term for magic tribals, like you know all the traits. They they build interestingly because some cards you can take that we just got today and go all the way back to the core, and it can change that hero's gameplay. And other ones you can't do that with because they don't match. Or they're not Iron Man's not a web warrior, so he can't use that stuff, right? Yeah, so that that's really fun. I do think that is a great way they avoid having this massive card pool and all these interactions that you have to worry about. Yeah. Hey, he's speaking of the massive card pool. Uh, I took a page from Chad's book. That's Chad from Cardboard of the Rings because he's been playing around with doing the whole uh, progression style Lord of the Rings, and he suggested uh, organizing your cards where you take all the trait specific stuff out. So I now have a section that's all my Avengers cards. And it's not everything with Avenger. It's all the stuff that only works in Avengers. Ah. And then I have a section for all the stuff that only works in Guardian. And then mm. all the other stuff is then just, just done by aspect. So that if I'm looking for an aspect, I start that. And then I take the trait pack that matches the hero. And I don't have to sift through all these cards that don't work. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, that's we cool. really should have, like the community as a whole, should have thought about this five, ten years ago. <laughs> But hey, here we are. <laughs> uh, so, folks, what you're hearing is we came up with that idea. Chad does not get any credit. Okay, moving on. That's what I hear. Perfect. Yep. Okay, perfect. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like that. I may have to see how that works. Because have you have you ever started building a deck? You're like, this card is great. And you put it in, and then you're like, oh, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> uh, yes, multiple yes, times. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yep. <laughs> yeah. In fact, once I started exploring Sneak Attack, I was so excited by that card. Yeah. And then I build decks where half the allies couldn't actually come out. <laughs> I did that too. Yeah, I'm like, oh, wait. Uh, this doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of those rules uh, that I follow, right? Because sometimes we say, play the game you want to play, but not. No, that not, one you got to sort of you stuff, gotta right? follow that one. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. if you have really young kids and they just want to put the fun characters together, great. But it, it does really impact the power balance of the cards. Yeah, yeah it does. So that's some stuff they're doing right here. Daniel, do you have some other thoughts on pitfalls on the other LCGs or things that you like that we're doing in Marvel that they're not doing in other games or, or vice versa? Sure, sure. I guess I want to talk about it. my main my main issue with all of these LCGs when they get too big and they've been on too long. And it seems to me, and it started this way with Game of Thrones. I played that back in the day. The issue, sort of what I would call the always issue, is that the fact is it seems like the more cards there are, the fewer get used. And and it becomes, this, I guess it's the idea of like staples. Mm. And that's mm. the thing that like kills these games to me. Um, oh, you're building a justice deck? Well, you start with these 11 cards 
right? Like, or, you know. I, yeah. I just, yeah. I just think about that. And all the LCGs, it's like, oh, well, if you're going to build X deck, you start with these cards. And that turns out to be a, such a huge percentage of the deck itself that, like, it's a it's two or three cards that end up being, like, the personality of the deck. And mm-hmm. that just drives me crazy. It makes me... It bums me out about LCGs and these games in general. The the staple card, the idea of a staple. And then because I am who I am, I end up building inferior decks because I hate that. Right? And then can't keep up with the difficulty of the game anymore. Right? Because I'll build yeah. decks that I think are fun and cool, which maybe can survive if I bring to a party with three other players, but I'm certainly not going to win any solo games. Or two play, you know, like because I'm I'm just sort of committed to. Well, I've never I've never played with this card before. I've never I don't remember this one. I, I just want to see what it does. Um, I'm I'm way more interested in a card that you know could conceivably tell a fascinating story one in ten games than I am the staple card. I've got a couple of thoughts to that. Okay, please. Um, here's here's a thought for if listeners, if you're finding yourself in this trap, I've got a couple options for you. One. Pick a small number, like four. Four slots dedicated to a card you never use and throw a copy of. So, for instance, I, I rarely use Second Wind, but it, it I'm okay putting a copy of Second Wind in some of my decks. Uh, pick a couple others, just do a one-of, so that you have them in the deck, maybe you'll get a chance to use them and see what they're all about. That's option one. Option two is take an aspect that you play a lot of. If you find that you're using the same staples, build a whole bunch of decks with that aspect and force yourself out of that mode. So yes, you have some staples, but you got to split it up amongst four or five decks. And then you'll get to experience some of the other cards and how they interact. Right. I guess part of my complaint though, Mike, is that the game grows in such a way that those staples are staples because you can't win without them. Well, there's also things in the core set are supposed to be staples. Sure. And I, I think Marvel is uniquely situated in that the heroes alter the game so much that they can turn it on its head. And I'll give you one example. Desperate Defense is in a lot of my protection decks mm-hmm. because it's a way to defend and be ready in the hero phase. Ghost Spider comes along and that card is useless. That card is useless. What comes out of the binder? What am I blowing the dust off of? Expert Defense. Because in Ghost Spider, Expert Defense is a does something similar and it's better. Ms. Marvel melee is suddenly the best aggression card in the game for damage. And multitasking is the best thwarting card, hands down. Nothing can compete against those two cards, but only in that hero. So I think there's room to... Mm. There's room because of what the heroes do. Uh, and I don't think we've seen this amount of flexibility in some of the other LCGs. No, I appreciate that. It's a good... That yeah, makes I sense. Think- I think, too, what you were talking about with the traits, that helps alleviate some of the staples, because while it might be a staple in an Avenger deck, it cannot be a staple in a Guardian deck, right? Quinn Carrier. Uh, It's great in Avengers, useless anywhere else. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's a nice thing. And the developers have said that the idea is that you should be able to take a pre-constructed deck that you buy off the shelf and have a reasonable chance of beating most of the villains. Not all of them. You know, you can't take a deck off the shelf and go up against Ronin, but... Um, Not with that think, attitude. 
No. Okay. You can go up against them. You're just not going to win. Um, but I think that I still think they're managing to do that, right? Like the campaign box power creep of the villain scenarios, I don't think is really there. I mean, Galaxy's Most Wanted was standing, whatever. Uh, but like Tower Defense and Ebony Maw, those are halfway through. They're They're towards the end of the second half of the villains we've gotten and you can beat them with whatever deck you want to try right i mean maybe no, not I every agree. time I agree. I agree. but yeah that's a great i love that still mm-hmm. that you can do that yeah and I, I you know these like the you know the question was like pitfalls that some of the other lcgs have yeah. fallen into not what this game has i'm not saying that this game is there no, right. Right. yeah right. But, right. but that is a, it's, it is a fear that i i've I've played every LCG that FFG has made, and they've all gotten to this stable point where, like, you're just an idiot if you don't choose X cards. And I yeah, hate that. It drives me crazy. Um, a co-op game, I think, alleviates that maybe a little bit. Um, but still, like, you know, you go to you go to a party and play this game, and you you bring your creative deck. Oh, mm-hmm. you know. I'm the guy. I'm the guy that goes to conventions with the creative deck, and people say things to me. Well, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, half deck, the people are me sometimes. Sometimes they are. What yeah. do you mean I have to fight and thwart and defend? <laughs> well, but yeah, but this deck's got this really cool thing, Mike, that triggers every eighth turn. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love being able to do that. I'm on board with you, Daniel. I think it's great. Thank you. Uh, and I, I don't. I, I own all the cards. I own all the cards. Me too. I want to use all the cards. I want to use them all. Yes. Yeah. I'm willing. I'm willing to say. Actually, I'm willing to say. I want to use ninety percent of them. There, there are some I just don't. I just don't like. Fine. You know, I'm just not going to use them, or I don't see a use for them, or I haven't built for them, and maybe I have to force myself to. And I have done sometimes where I've, you know, the four cards that you, sh- you when you play them, you shuffle them into the encounter deck, like the in betweener and the gardener. I yeah. Keep put. I keep putting them in decks, and then I find myself never using them so i have to keep taking them out so like but they're not dead cards in my hand because they're still a resource that's the neat thing so you can put those in and just like if the timing ever happened i'd be able to shuffle one in but so there are yeah Um, i I feel this got really bad with lord of the rings the game's 11 years old i mean it's old there's a thousand zillion cards and i'm looking at my box like three boxes of cards I'm like I use four percent of this real estate. Yeah, because four percent is in your bomber deck. We know. Yeah, <laughs> which is you know that deck's the bomber, right, Mike? With blade but anyway, Master. yeah. Right. I I don't know. It, well, yeah. I you know, but yet at this, but you know, same time, you want the game to expand, you want it to grow, you want, and so I think I think the way that this one is built, it might avoid this problem that I'm having because. Of what you said, Mike, that like, hey, aggression depends on the hero. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably true of every aspect. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? Of course it is, right? And it's like, that's going to make the staple card issue less problematic going forward, I hope. Yep. And they brought traits in really early. Lord of the Rings, yeah. they, they had traits from the beginning, but they didn't really start they didn't build off them to their fullest, yeah. probably mm-hmm. until the third cycle. So you had really a solid two cycles, more with with the other expansions yeah. of things that became 
this powerful set of staples. And then they started expanding uh, horizontally, they said, you know, just growing the game through traits. And I think they've taken those lessons and in this game just implemented them earlier. From the get-go, right? Yeah. Now, what about with um, Arkham Horror? I mean, that has completely different deck building. Like, you have to pay for experience to level cards up. and Almost like, such a different cup of noodles that it's hard to... Does that have staples, though? Does it does every have staples. Every seeker it does. use the same ones? Okay. I, d- I feel yeah, like every, does, every yeah. seeker uses deduction. doesn't matter who you are. You know, every survivor yeah. has got lucky. Um, okay. If, although you still do have heroes, heroes that uh, look at different cards differently. Gotcha. And I, mm-hmm. I think they're they're a little more. It's almost like a middle ground, like where they they'll use more of the card pool than you might see in some of the previous LCGs. But I think it still has a staple problem. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure if the amount of victory points or experience points that you have is so low that you you really can't afford to get creative. I have to level up shriveling because that's my thing, and so that kind oh, of. Oh, I see. No, I, that particular card pool is deep enough that you can level okay. up into all sorts of places. I've found I've built some decks without energy, strength, and genius. I, 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 I stopped putting in Avengers Mansion a while back. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? I mean, those are staple cards. Yeah. I was in a discussion with Will, Funky Monkey Monk, and, uh, and Fanny just on the weekend. And Will was saying, he, he brought up this statement. He says, the, the aspect-specific resources, not the power-ups, the other ones, the new ones that are coming out, like Innovation Audacity and, and Audacity, he says those cards have kicked strength, genius, and energy out of every deck. Nice. I don't totally agree with that, but I kind of see where he's coming from. He's, you know, arguing that the card, if you have, if you have a hand of resources and you can't, you can already afford everything. That card is only a resource, whereas the other ones are a resource that does something. And yeah, I like those cards. You get a two because you have to spend a card. So if you spend the card and you get something out of spending the card at the same time, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a bargain. Everyone likes yeah. a deal. Yeah. I, I don't Maybe I build techs where the, the cost curve isn't quite <laughs> where it ought to be, so I still value those early staples. Oh, I, I'm not taking that out of every deck, but I have built a few decks and been like, oh, I forgot to put energy, strength, and genius in it, and it's doing just fine. Yeah. Oh, so, well. <laughs> off we go. <laughs> so, yeah. It's too late now, and I'm you know, yeah. still having fun with it. Are we done with the pitfalls, or there's more we want to say about it? Should we move I on? I mean, I feel like we only talked about my pitfall. I think that was the big one. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think What's the other one? That there's there's too many heroes? There's too much choice in the game? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's it's, not, not, I feel like that's not bad. Yeah. And yeah, they I seem think... to be doing a good job of the uh, the making solo play viable. I feel like Galaxy's Most Wanted, having revisited that, that is in my opinion, a way better experience in multiplayer. Way, 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 way better. Whereas the other campaigns, you can still have fun. A lot of fun solo. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so what is next? It's That's the question. What is next? What do we want to see next? What are our hopes for this game in the future? Hmm. Daniel, I bet oh. you have some thoughts. Well, it's a thing we've talked about before. I think for the... My, my biggest hope and I think maybe the survivability of the game requires it. I would love for the designers to expand win conditions, like by a million. Mm-hmm. Um, fellas, the punch out's gotten tiresome for me. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. And oh, you know, like like that's there's 
basically a way to win. I feel like Collector is beloved because it's different. Kind of the same with Hella. Um, even if even if it's not like loved by anyone, like people in particular, but the you idea. Mean collector, you mean Collector Two? Collector I mean two. Collector Two. Escape. Right. Escape. Yeah. You're escaping, right? Or it's not punching them out. Hella, the same thing. It's not necessarily but like. I feel like people appreciate those. Um, they appreciate them sometimes more than they enjoy them. The the those two scenarios where the win condition isn't just reduce them to zero. Yeah, I like the alternate win conditions. I also like alternate loss conditions just as much as the alternate win. Like the tower defense. Uh, you still great, have to punch them out. Point. Great point. You yeah. have to punch them out, but you still have to play differently because you have to keep the tower intact. Um, so those sort right. of things I enjoy as well, where maybe you don't die, right? Uh, what is it? Even like Wrecking Crew's main schemes or whatever they are, they don't you don't lose if they go off. Something else happens, something terrible, sure, and there's sure. a different way that you lose. So, uh, yeah, I hope we keep seeing alternate win and alternate loss conditions. Uh, yeah, I really I like to when they change up the way the main scheme works. Right or multiple villains at once, or different. You know, I don't know. You, you you advance along your main scheme at a different rate or pace. Sure. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And, and we're blessed with designers who are super creative, and it's it's definitely going to happen. I think. Mm-hmm. Right where there's a lot of room to explore in this game. So. Yeah, there is, and I'm happy to see that they're they're already expanding on what Thwart can do because. My complaint early on was, well, Daniel, you know this. You know I, I play a lot of yellow cards in you these do. LCGs, right? Oh, you but do. I don't in this game, but I don't. And it took me a while to figure it out. And part of it is that in the other games, you're you're, you're doing this this thing to to advance towards the win condition. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Marvel, you're not advancing towards anything. You're just delaying the game by thwarting. That's what it does. It's, it's, but like you said, for Collector 2, no, it's actually winning in the game. It's a lot more fun than that. And I think they're... They're playing around with that now in the in the card pool, doing some fun things with justice. Um, I guess I want to see more of that. Yeah, I think um, I don't I don't know how to phrase this, but I like when you have more interesting decision points. While it's not necessarily super complex, the new Venom scenario has the bell tower, and I know Daniel I haven't played it, but you you know if you if you do it a certain way, it's really bad. If you go after the bell tower, it's better for you. I like when they give us different ways to use our cards or different decision points along the way, like that scenario. So more of that would be fun too. All right. So we're going to move on to the next section here, folks. Um, this is a question that was posed to us way back in issue 100. Whoa. I know 22 weeks it took us to get to, but we're getting <laughs> to it. So Eduardo M here's your 15 minutes of fame, I guess. Um <laughs> <laughs> Wow. We didn't forget you. Okay. He said um, he was curious to see how we would rank the villains in terms of difficulty. Mm. So we're going to leave out the new Sinister Motives because we haven't had it long enough. Sure. And and we're going to look at all the scenarios from Rhino to the Hood. And we're going to rank them what we think from easiest to hardest. Now, obviously, this doesn't take into effect like a specific ghost spider protection build that never takes any damage or whatever, just in general for your regular player. Right. Mike? The Joe player. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. 
This, we, we talked about ranking ranking stuff before, so this is fun. Okay. All right, so we've got 22 scenarios. We're going to talk a little more in depth on our bottom, our easiest three. Uh, we're going to give you our rankings. We're going to see where we're at in the middle of the pack, probably some overlaps that you know just sort of jumbled up. And then we'll talk a little more in depth on our hardest ones. Daniel, why don't you give us just your easiest scenario, you think? I think the easiest in the game is absorbing, man, to be honest. Okay. What, Mike? You're not going to believe this, but my list is exactly the same as Daniel's, top to bottom. No. <laughs> is it really? Hey, I no didn't way. do my homework. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, observing that, uh, you know what, I might have to say, yeah, it's absorbing that. I agree. It's a shame, a real shame, because I do like Pressure Creel. All right, so we've already disagreed because I said risky business was what I thought was easier. I mean, that's than, a runner-up for sure. And absorbing man, uh, uh, but I can't really argue too much with absorbing man. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of minions. It's kind of an easy. The right? goal is to slow you down, not just kill mm-hmm. you. Yep. Now, in that regard, he lives in his campaign, right? So if he does slow you down, if you played out a campaign, though, it's it's. Brain you dead easy. Brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah. Which is why I gave him number two, and I said risky mm-hmm. business was number one because you can totally just game it. No, and and the reason that's not my number one is because I feel like I played in the way it was intended to be played. I think you know what I mean, like because I don't want it to be easy, but I I love the idea of that one. Okay. I love I love the alter ego of the villain. Yes, you know I do I mean? too. I just, I just really like it, and like, I know that you can like do the thing that makes it super easy. Where you, I just, I just don't play it that way. Okay. And you can also put some mod mod sets in there that make it harder to game it the way people learn to do it almost immediately. Sure, sure. All right, like Steve, do you want to talk a little bit about how you make it so easy? Like, why it would be your number one? Uh, I think because you can just let those counters build up on him the um, until you are completely set up, and then you can right. like flip him in one turn, kill him, and or just, just him. obliterate yeah. him after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, where I thought absorbing man also super easy, but at least um, you have a little less control over it because it does. You know, you're you're at the mercy of the deck. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, how about? So absorbing man is my number two. Mike, you pick risky business as your number two, and Daniel have Rhino. Yeah, I mean he's supposed to be. He was built to be a, a punching bag. Um, the reason he's not my number one is because every once in a while there's that <laughs> sneaky advance that right. suddenly makes him win, and he's he's actually kind of hard to play on uh, solo for that reason. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. Um, I I don't disagree really. I mean, I Mike and I both put Rhino down as our number three, yeah. so yeah. we're right. We're just a half step behind or ahead. Yeah. But Daniel, your number three is different. You put what you put down. I put the Wrecking Crew. Yeah, another one of those that you can kind of game. That's that's why people yeah. people people figured that one out. I noticed it's your number four, Steve, and so like yeah. Yep. The 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 puzzle got unlocked on that one pretty quickly. And it's not the beautiful challenge that we wish it would be. Now, I'm thinking back when it came out and the card pool was so limited back then. What do you guys think? Was it harder then? Wrecking Crew? Or could you do the same shenanigans then that you can do now? I, I You and I played with, uh, 
maybe Becky and Andy online once and we got obliterated because yeah. we just yeah. we got overkilled or whatever. So I think it can still sneak up on you. It can, yeah. You just can't change the difficulty of it at all. Not really, because you can't mess with the modulars. Right, right. Good point. So like you said, I had Wrecking Crew as number four. Mike, what'd you put for number four? Uh, I put Claw. I oh. think that was down further on some of your lists. I, it's, it's hard to say with Claw, because he's so dependent on his modular sets. But I think overall, if you can just handle the boost cards, you're doing okay. Right. I. I'm looking at my set again. I didn't write Claw down. <laughs> where did you put Claw, Steve? <laughs> I don't see... He disappeared. He teleported away. I don't know where he is. Um, I must have doubled up on somebody else. Interesting. Well, let's let's take a look at our list from the, the kind of the 5 to 15 area and see where we've got, like, crazy disparities. Sure. Sure. Um... Yeah, Daniel, give us five to ten of yours. Ebony Maw, Drain Claw, Crossbones, Taskmaster, Collector Two, Tower Defense, Zola, the Hood, and Red Skull. Red Skull and the Hood. Oh, 14 or 15. Okay. They're one of my higher ones. Yeah, mine too. Well, the hood I put I put lower than some of the other ones I did because you can also decide how difficult you want that to be. Right. Okay, so I have starting at number five, Taskmaster. Collector 2, Escape from the Museum, Ebony Maw, Drang, Tower Defense, Crossbones, Zola, Red Skull, Kang, Hela, and Ultron. Oh, interesting. Okay. And Mike? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of the same here. Taskmaster, I have Wrecking Crew here. Crossbones, Collector 2, Drang. I also put Hela down. I put Mutagen down at number 11. A Tower Defense, Ebony Maw, Collector 1, and Zola. So let's talk about the discrepancies here. So, Mike, I think you're the only one that put mutagen down in this area. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. I well, yeah, mutagen has you know it's got the swarm, it's got the the side schemes, but they're all very low power. Like even the side schemes themselves, they don't have a lot going on. This is before the hinder keyword really took off. Um, so you know, I think this scenario could be difficult depending on how you're approaching it, and certainly an expert, it's got some teeth uh but overall no i think it's middle of the road hmm. I, I, I probably judged it on my early life of this game you maybe judged it by all those times you played on expert where you're you have to start with three encounter cards in your first yeah. turn yeah so i'm i just yeah. keep getting hosed by this yeah um so you guys put hella in this region i did not yeah uh, i mean she's, yeah. The t- she's closer to being harder for me but i think probably because you can sit there and wait and then exactly burst, burst through yeah i get that yeah. i'll have more uh, to say on her when we actually do the the episode on hella but sure she's on that's the, the other thing the like, that's the other thing we should we should let our listeners know we're not diving deep right scenarios yet so we so. all have tower defense in this area crossbones in this area collector collector two collector yeah. two should be noted yes yes yeah, because you can just run away. Um, I'm the only one who put red. Uh, red Skull's a little lower on my thing. Uh, I think that yeah, one is. Put it de- in too. Yeah, it's a little higher up on his list. I think that's dependent on the modular set too. Um, played as is. As it, I, I went everyone as is. As is, me too. Um, yeah, okay. I think with the modern card pool, there's so much thwarting that you can kind of get rid of his schemes quick enough. So. So let's take a look at our top. I feel like we um. 
you, Steve, you and I were right. And then, you know, Mike had answers. <laughs> right, right. It's like we played <laughs> different decks. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. That totally true. Yeah. Yeah. One of us has no staples. I, I still have Claw listed here. Mike, how how is that possible? Did I write something twice? Huh. Maybe. I would put Claw in the middle of the road. We all put, as the most difficult, the obvious choice. Yeah, Ronan. Ronan. Ronan, yeah. But then our next was all different. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, Daniel, who'd you pick? I said Ultron. Oh, you know Ultron didn't even make it on my list. (laughs) Oh, okay. So we're missing a line here is the problem in this. Yeah. (laughs) Who who set this up? I I noticed that that today when I filled out your bracket. I was like, that's interesting. There's 22 boxes and 23 things to put in them. I honestly didn't know how to rank Ultron because I don't play it. I don't enjoy that scenario. And it's not so much you win. It's a slog or it's not depending on if you game or don't. And there's, there's no middle road. How do you game Ultron? Uh, you, you bring Hawkeye, you bring Hawkeye, you bring, you have this repeatable damage. Oh, if you tech, you tech against them. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Um, yes. You tech against, if you're taking against the drones, you're good. If you're not taking against the drones, you're losing. Yeah, because he can oh, he can swarm you. I, I mean, I have him at 15. You know, it's not um, crazy, but uh, he's still he's still a challenge, especially an expert. But all right, yeah. let's go back up to the top though. So so we all said Ronan, great. And then Daniel said Ultron, all right. And then Mike, what did you say? Oh, I said Nebula. Okay, mainly because of the evasion counter all on top of an already very difficult yep. villain. Yeah. And she can surge train on yep. you. Yep. She can. Yeah. I have her as my third most difficult. So I'm close. So did, yeah. I have her as fourth most difficult. Not surprising. She's in there. So, so who'd my, you pick? I picked Loki. Loki? Yeah. Hmm. I found Loki with the infinity gauntlet. And just as I'm getting used to killing off whichever one he is, he switches on me. I, you know, I lost campaigns against Loki a couple times. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he, he got my number two spot. Uh, he edged Nebula out just barely. I always found him a very exciting, fun game, but not necessarily the most difficult. So, Steve and Mike, I would love to hear you talk about The Hood, which, Mike, you put as third most difficult and Steve as fourth most difficult. Go ahead. Talk about that. Oh, I've only played The Hood solo. And maybe that's why I put him higher up because his attachments are really <laughs> good. And in solo, they're hard to get rid of because it takes a lot of resources from you. And they're, they're really sinister because they're not that bad, except they are. You just don't realize how bad they are. Right. And it can spiral out of control really fast. Yeah. I've had a similar experience with the hood because it's like playing on heroic half the time because it, yes, yes, yeah, you're always getting an extra encounter card. You you so rarely hit a hood card. I like the hood though. I love the seven different decks, picking a theme, yes. putting them in there, playing. You know, he's I I think he's tough. I, I have played more solo, but we played plenty of two player and some four player hood. And uh, yeah, he four, yep. four player he can accelerate. His deck is small. Um, yes, and what's that card where he that attaches to you and 
whenever he activates, he Ugh. it activates another... foul play. Yeah. So you look at the top card, and if it's a hood card, you lucked out. If it's not a hood card, you deal it face down in front of you. Okay, so this is not quite heroic. What are your odds? What are your odds, Steve? 50-50, maybe? Maybe? Uh, no, no. There's only no, like 12 hood cards or something. Yes. Or six hood cards or something. I don't know. Yeah. But then, but then you peek at that top card, and it's assault. Uh. So that's in front of you, and then you reveal assault, and he activates against you, and now you're activating his foul play again. So he just, he just, yeah. Yeah. He just rushes you. Yeah. We haven't talked about him yet. And we'll get into that further. So like on the show, but yeah. Whew. Well, there you have it, folks. Is there anything else in the top that is a discrepancy? You both have Nebula Loki. We have Thanos yep. floating around in that area, right? Yeah. And we have Collector 1. Now, Daniel, you and I put Collector uh, much harder than Mike did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's dependent on who you're playing as your hero. It's so dependent. I had a hard time just ranking Collector 1. I, I mean, everybody has... I, I don't know, you're killing minions, and you're thwarting side schemes, and there goes the collection, so... Yeah, yeah I, anyone who has a lot of allies is going to do worse, though. Anyone, if you're playing Valkyrie, good luck. I, I think that scenario is impossible with Valkyrie. Oh, probably, yeah. Well, and solo is different than a four-player game, because, what do you get, like, five cards in the collection, and uh, there's no room for error on that, so... Yep. Draw a couple cards, and now you know it's 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 tough. It's a hard one. Well, what we can do is um, we'll clean our lists up, and uh, I'll publish these so folks right. can take a look. Let us know if you agree with them, if you disagree with them, why I'm right and the other two guys are wrong. You know, it's okay. Or maybe I'm wrong too. Whatever. I don't know. You know. Come on. Yeah. Though that was a good question, Eduardo M. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I I think I think other people's lists. Easiest one to five and the hardest one to five will probably be about the same. It's that middle of the pack that's, you know, kind of hard to judge. But I think that brings us to a close on this issue. Do you got anything else we want to talk about before we uh, wrap it up? I don't think so. I'm good. I am I am curious to see, you know, what everyone's, you know, top difficulty and bottom difficulty is. If only there, If only there was a way for them to tell us, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, you know, too bad though, because minority wins. So tough luck, guys. <laughs> this is this is the truth right here. No, um, but if you really want to rant, you can email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook, and you can find our YouTube channel by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Foam Loaf, and Wandering Duke. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Vulture, take us out. Those people up there. The rich and the powerful, they do whatever they want. Guys like us, like you and me, they don't care about us. We build their roads, and we fight all their wars and everything. They don't care about us. We have to pick up after them. We have to eat their table scraps. That's how it is.